Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith. He's Derek Terry. It's Buffalo Wings and Rings Mailbag Friday, Derek, and you're getting double the dose of Buffalo Wings and Rings today. We are uh, going to try something new. Um, you know, used to we would put all of our mailbag questions, which sometimes upwards of 20 questions we would have. We're going to split that up, see if it can be a little bit more time efficient, see how it goes. We would at least uh, think you probably feel the same way, Sean. We would we would love some feedback as to how this is how this works, if you like it. Um, we figure we might as well try some new things, though, before the season starts here in a few weeks. We'll, we'll do it this way for this go around. If you guys like it, let us know. We'll continue to do it this way. Uh, we want to try to get a majority role on this thing, though, but I'm, I'm optimistic that this will probably be the way that we go for the future. And you're speaking of trying new things. If you want to try something new and you haven't, make it out to Buffalo Wings and Rings there in London, Kentucky. Delicious menu, those uh, chicken tenders they have, the wings, the salads, the burgers, everything that you can think of from bar food to, to sit-down food. It's all at Buffalo Wings and Rings in London, Kentucky. If you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't, Go out and try something new right there located off uh, the exit on I-75 there in London, Kentucky. You can see it from the interstate, whether you're coming from Lexington or from the direction I come from Millsboro, just make it out to Buffalo Wings and Rings. Thank you to them for continuing to sponsor the mailbag. This is our football mailbag episode, Derek. We're going to jump straight into it. A lot of talk this week about Texas and about Oklahoma. And the more that we go on and on with this, it certainly seems like this is going to become a thing. Just given from reports, uh, reports last night that Texas and Oklahoma were not in on the Big 12 meeting when it was talking about moving forward as a conference and some of the things with the future. It certainly sounds like before we get into questions that the SEC is going to be looking to add two teams and two two dominant programs uh, to the football, basketball, baseball, just overall, just I guess reactions to where we are with that before we even take a question. Hey, I mean, you think about softball, man. Oh, you, they're in the yeah. thing every year, ain't they? I mean, and they played the, out The there. national championship game in volleyball was Texas yeah. and, and Kentucky. Yeah, so that's a real deal for, for every sport, adding those two programs. I mean, it does seem inevitable at this point. I find it interesting how much of a bombshell it was when that came out on Wednesday that this, you know, that they were exploring this. Honestly, I thought it was a joke when I first saw it. I mean, not trying to be rude to the Houston Chronicle. I just thought, hey, it's – this might not be true. And then as as some national reporters dig more and more, you hear that this thing's been in talks for potentially six months or more already. So it's not like something that just happened, obviously, behind the scenes. It's been going on quite a bit. Some reports today, I know from our Texas 24-7 site, uh, is the OU and Texas plan to inform the Big 12 that they're leaving the conference. And I, I think it's, you know, the writing's on the wall. I would be really surprising to me with what's been reported so far, if this didn't go through, but I mean, my reaction, I mean, the super conferences are here, you know, you're gonna have 16 teams in the sec. You're adding a perennial college football playoff team in Oklahoma and with Texas, a program that if they ever figured it out has more resources probably than any program in the country. Yeah. So, um, basketball wise, same deal. I think it will be pretty cool. Uh, like I mentioned with, Chris Beard, the roster that he should be able to assemble. Some people think he has the best coaching staff in America. So you'd be adding another really strong basketball program to the league. And then those other sports we talked about, I mean, if you're the SEC, I know AM's going to hate it, but if you're the SEC, I've seen teams could be getting upwards to what, $60 million if they make this kind of deal. So you're not going to get other schools turning that down 
no, you're not. But you and, probably will see, a, like, a, unless these other teams can – or these other conferences can kind of consolidate, I, I think you're going to see that – I mean, the SEC will have more power in college sports probably by far than any other league. Yeah, which Jason has a question that we're going to split football, basketball. So we'll cover the football one on this episode, basketball on the next episode. What are the pros and cons of adding Texas and Oklahoma to the SEC in football and basketball each? You already kind of got into those. On the football side, it just makes the strongest conference in America that much stronger to me from a competitive standpoint to a championship pedigree standpoint to TV and just the ratings and everything that the SEC obviously is, is going to go first in a lot of this stuff, Derek. It's kind of forcing – if when this move happens, it breaks apart the Big 12. Where does Kansas go? You know, you've seen reports today that there are discussions possibly with the Big 10 – which is going to strengthen that conference in basketball. But when you're talking the overall impact, let's just talk football here. I mean, it, you're adding two programs that have won national championships to a league that is already loaded with programs that have won national championships. That just – you can't even underestimate. And it, it's it's bad for teams too. Like, And I, I don't want to get into this how bad it could be for Kentucky football until we see the way that they decide to play this. Do they put it in four-team pods or still divisions? We really don't know the layout of how this is going to work. But just the overall pros of it, though, just from a money standpoint, a, a value of more and greater places that you get to go visit, too. Like, you're getting – now you're, if you're a Kentucky fan, you're going to get to go to Oklahoma. You're going to get to go to Texas and experience those environments. I just think it, it's it's fun to even think about the possibilities. I mean, it, it was weird when Texas A&M and Missouri were wanting to join the league because I don't think we had got so accustomed to that not happening. And then you've also seen the kind of the, the benefit of that as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it'll be it'll be fun, I think. I mean, it'll be cool. You're right about the pods. It's really hard to know what it might mean. I mean, if Kentucky gets somehow grouped with Alabama and Florida and, like, Georgia and football, then <laughs> I think Mitch Barnhart would, would really, really fight that for being the case. Uh <laughs> But there's no, I mean, there's really no way you could set up those pods though in a fair way without UK having to be in a in a group with some dominant team. And uh, I mean, the fact that you could have, think about the teams that have been in the playoffs. You know, probably minus Clemson, uh, Florida State that first year, and then some Pac-12 teams here and there. I mean, Oklahoma's been there a lot. Uh, obviously, Notre Dame's been there a couple times, but Georgia, LSU, Alabama, uh, those have kind of been the staying power teams since the. Uh, since it expanded. I do think the playoffs will come, the expanded playoffs, I mean, will come at a time, a good time for this. You could have half the league, man. No no kidding. You could have half the league one year in the SEC in the playoffs in that top 12. You, so uh, You mentioned the – was it Oklahoma, Alabama, Georgia? Weren't they in the same playoff just a couple of years ago? Yep. Uh, yeah, Oklahoma <laughs> played Georgia. That epic uh, – one of the best college football games in the last few years, actually, in that Rose Bowl. And then, of course, Alabama beat Clemson, and then Alabama beat Georgia. So, yeah, that one year you'd have three of those teams. LSU beat Oklahoma, bad, uh, must add, the Joe Burrow year. So, yeah. And, I mean, the way that – I was talking to – I mentioned Joe Masato the other day um, – I was playing PlayStation with him last night. And I mentioned to him, like, if you're OU, like, they already recruit top five anyway. Like, I don't think it's an enhanced or recruiting that much. I mean, you can't go up much higher than what they are. Um, but that brand, though, and that money that's going to come in and, and the, the appeal to kids that you could come to, to the SEC and play, um, play against Alabama, play against Georgia, play against these teams is going to be really crazy. Um, 
I think in the immediate effect, that's that's the big one. Texas, of course, like I said, I know they struggled, but Steve Sarkeesian got hired. Maybe maybe he's the guy to get them back to dominance because whenever I started watching college football, you know, one of the first national title games that I remember, Texas beat USC. So kids these days don't remember that, but the resources that are there, um, there's no question. I mean, SEC has been solidified for a long time as the best football conference. This would only make – I mean, it would pretty much make it untouchable. And Cameron asked, if the SEC had to drop two schools to add to, what programs would go first? So, obviously, they're not dropping anyone in this new plan. But if they had to in this new world that we're moving into with 16-team super conferences, who would it be? I mean, obviously, if you're talking competitive standpoint and attendance and everything, Vanderbilt has to be on that list, right? Yeah, Vanderbilt uh, just doesn't commit. I mean, I get it. They're a great academic institution. There's a lot of value in that. I'm not saying there's not. But in the SEC, you know, they're they're the outlier. No one else cares as much about that as, as what Vanderbilt does. Of course, if they did drop them, you would lose a fantastic baseball program. But football, you look at the gap, unless they really start investing heavy in their football program, they're going to fall behind a point where I don't know if they can ever catch back up to even be competitive. And um, – if they had to drop another, I, I would – well, this this changes now because it looks like the Big 12 is going to fold. But I would have said before it would have probably made sense for Arkansas and Missouri to go back to the Big 12. I guess Arkansas was never in the Big 12. They were in the uh, – was it Big 8 or whatever it was Big called? Eight, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they were – a long time ago they were in that. So, I think it would have made sense for for those programs – to do that i've just always kind of been a missouri hater from the sec i hate that drive it's not in the south but hey that's gonna go away i mean because if you're adding oklahoma and, and texas they're not in the south either so do you, do you think that this will change the name of conferences when all this happens i mean obviously the sec the southeastern conference will be the sec but i'm talking big 10 the big 12 seems like it's going away but when you're talking big 10 can you still call yourself the big 10 if you're adding teams no, and you gotta change that 16? they're you already not it, the big 10 you know you just call it the big the big conference the big uh hopefully they come up with something a little better than that <laughs> but uh no they will have to change their name i think i suck uh, at marketing right <laughs> I, well i mean you're just spitballing and maybe if you spent some more time thinking about it you could come up with it uh but no yeah i'm, I'm with you they're gonna have to change it so college sports as we know it i mean if you hate it i feel bad for i feel bad for people who are traditionalists who really like the way it was but with nil here free transfer Super conference is coming. The way we've understood college sports for our lives is, is going to be totally different. Yeah, totally different. I mean, it's it's coming quick too. Like I, and yeah. I've had a couple of people in DMs and stuff that I think they're under the impression that this is going to change the football season this year. No, like what's going on with 2021 is already established. I mean, you have LSU uh, playing Texas in the non-conference, right? If I'm not mistaken, who who is it plays? No, not LSU. Who in the SEC plays Texas? Is it Arkansas? Yeah, Arkansas does. Ar LSU. Arkansas. Uh, LSU played Texas the Joe Burrow year. Uh, mm -hmm. Sorry, I was thinking about that. So you've already got games scheduled, things like that. Nothing is changing now, but it certainly seems like before this season even maybe kicks off, we're going to have an idea of what the future could look like very, very soon. Uh, going into a couple more questions, and we're going to move into this season and talking about this. This is, comes from Brandon. Do you expect Kentucky to run the ball to death against Louisiana Monroe instead of opening the playbook? I want to see the offense too, but I feel it gives us a better chance of beating Missouri. Your thoughts on that, Derek? 
no, I don't, I don't think they'll just uh, go ground and pound. Hey, I mean, if you're asking me, I think you want whoever your quarterback is feeling very comfortable going into that Missouri game. I think you got to throw the ball around that first game. Uh, this isn't the kind of deal where, you know, you've had a system in place for a few years and you got an experienced quarterback and you can just kind of be vanilla. Uh, I'm not saying you have to throw the whole playbook out at Louisiana Monroe, but I think you better be pretty comfortable with uh, what you want to do. So, no, I'm going to say they uh, they open it up a little bit for sure that first game. Yeah, I could see that too. Uh, obviously, you, I think you want to do some things, put some things on film as well. I mean, obviously, whoever's playing Kentucky early on in the Liam Cohen era, I think has a disadvantage because you really don't know what you're going to see. And Kentucky's going to run the ball, but I, I do expect them to try to make some plays in the passing game to showcase that and showcase that balance because if they have that balance, Derek, I think it, I think it makes it harder for Missouri to prepare for Kentucky mm-hmm. than in past years. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if this has been out. I just saw it on William Hill last night. Kentucky's a 29-and-a-half-point favorite over Louisiana Monroe. Has that been discussed any? I think a little bit here and there, but not on this podcast. I know we should cover that. Because uh, that's a pretty big – that's a big line for an opener. I mean, how many – they usually struggle. awful. Yeah, they usually struggle in season openers. Like, remember how many years have we sat there and it's been a close game at halftime and then somebody makes a play there early in the third quarter and then they kind of just push out and win by a couple, two or three touchdowns? Yeah, it's a different era, though. I mean, I think they're – I, I kind of get that if you're hesitant on that number, just given that you don't really know what they're going to have on offense, but – I would also argue that none of the team – well, Central Michigan ended up being really bad in 2018. But generally, like Toledo was a solid team that they played, and they were up 24 or one by – I think they got up by like 24 in the second half of that game. It didn't – I think the final score was – I can't remember what it was. But uh, if I were betting one way or the other, I'd probably pick them to cover that, though, honestly. And uh, Brandon also has another question, Derek, and I'll – I'll send this one to you. Update on Emil Wagner. So the brother of former Kentucky wide receiver Ahmad Wagner. Uh yeah, he's um there was some thought that he would be making a decision this summer. It's not gonna happen. He's gonna let this go on. I heard from a couple of people that they thought the longer it went, the better it was for UK. Because I believe Ohio State wanted a decision a little bit sooner rather than later. I don't think that's gonna happen. So if you're asking me today on July 23rd. I would predict that he either ends up at Notre Dame or Kentucky. So I think that's probably who the battle is between when it's all said and done. And uh, a couple other offensive line guys, I don't, Doherty Richardson from, or Daughtry Richardson from um, Florida. He's leaning towards Florida State now, it seems like, but UK is in his final list. And then Ryan Bear, who has a lot of Michigan State crystal ball picks. So those are some other offensive line targets to watch. Um, but I, I do think, I do think they're still optimistic though on Emil Wagner, and he's someone who has stayed 24-7, just at a re-rank. Uh, some guys not on UK's commitment list, but some of the former targets, you think about Gavin Wimsett, where he was ranked when he committed to Rutgers, he's all the way down to like 200th now. So he's taking a pretty big plunge. But Emil Wagner's staying pretty firm. He's right there in that top 75. So if UK were to land him, and you have Keontae Goodwin, who's a top 50-ish uh, national player, I mean, that's a hell of an offensive line class. Yeah, it is. Grant Bingham, a four-star from the state. So. Yeah, it is. That is for sure. Trey has a question, too. Anyone from the football team that you think would have been a great third option at SEC Media Day? So they took Darren Kennard and Josh Paschal. We easily guessed those, Derek, when we were talking about who Kentucky would take, just given 
the the way that that they rank kind of with, within the locker room and just given how well that they speak to the media is there a third guy that you think would have been interesting to take if you which you maybe you would have liked to have heard from and obviously Luke Fortner from an interview standpoint would have been excellent was there anyone maybe intriguing that you would have liked to have seen them take the media day yeah, I'll say three guys that I think all would have been good. I would have said Yusuf Corker. Uh, I've always enjoyed yeah. interviewing Yusuf. Uh, I remember interviewing him back when he was a redshirt freshman uh, in preseason camp. I, I've always enjoyed hearing from him. I think he would have been great in a setting like that. Uh, but I think for the media around the league, for more positive UK headlines, I think uh, Chris Rodriguez or Wondell Robinson are yeah. the other two guys that uh, I think would have made a lot of sense. Uh, Wondell, obviously, yeah, from – the uh, I'll say political standpoint on the team. I, I don't think that would have gone over well for a guy to just come in and get what I consider to be quite a huge honor, honestly, to be represented, to represent your school at SEC media days. I mean, I, I think if I were a player and I were like a captain on the team, that would be a goal of mine. Uh, I just think it's one of the biggest honors you can have on a team. Maybe I'm overblowing it, but I think it's a big deal. Um, I think Rodriguez, I mean, he's one of the most well-known guys on the team. So, yeah, I would say those three guys. Yeah, I agree. Corker would have been really good. I would have, I would have loved to have seen Yusuf there. A guy that I think has star potential written all over him. You're seeing that now in the preseason uh, predictions for the SEC, all SEC teams. Uh, that's a guy that I'm, I'm excited to see and what he does at Kentucky this year. I, I would have loved to have seen him at he SEC media days. Yeah. yeah, obviously you could not take a quarterback. You just couldn't because then you're you're kind of tipping your you're at there you're kind of showing your hand at what you would do so you couldn't take a quarterback I would have liked to have seen Rodriguez there as well but no they they took two if if they had been allowed three I, I'm willing to bet that one of those guys that you mentioned probably would have been one of the three uh, do you have any questions because I'm not able to see everything on my tweet but there was one that was a private account that you were able to see. Yeah, this comes from Khan. Uh, shout out to Khan. I've not talked to him in a long time, but I remember having, I think UK one on one was a class. Like, I think one of the first classes we had our freshman year at UK. So, Khan, if you're hearing this, this is your question. It's good to hear from you again. Uh, he says, How much faith do you have in the secondary? Does Clink Scale, Eccles, Joseph departure play a big role in the regression, or is Stoops going to really lock in that group and make sure they're ready to go? And he also adds breakout players with a question mark. Um, go ahead, Sean, if you want to take that. Uh, well, we just sat here and talked about Yusuf Corker, and I think he has potential to to be really, really, really good, Derek. I mean, we're talking a guy that makes uh, an impact in a number of ways when in the tackles and everything that he does. We'd love to see him add some interceptions and stuff this year on that side of the ball and make some plays and some game-changing plays. So if, if you could really label a guy as a breakout player that's on an all-SEC team this far into his career – I'm just going to say Yusuf just because I think he actually has star potential, not just very good SEC potential. I think he's a guy that could really shoot up draft boards and you really see his name start to climb in the SEC ranks. And when you're talking SEC nation and stuff, that could be the guys that the freak of the week that they do that feature and stuff. You look at Yusuf Corker, he looks like an absolute freak. Yeah, I like that pick a lot. I really like your explanation on that too. I would say um, I do have faith in the secondary. I, I think they always do a really good job. Um, 2019, they, of course, lost a lot from that 2018 team. We talked about the factors that probably made that group a, a little bit better on paper statistically than what they actually were. 
Um, but Stoops' history coaching those guys, I think they're going to be in a great shape there. Um, breakout players, I, I could probably pick a few. I think – well, before I get to that, I think just – well, I have confidence, the overall makeup of the group. And I wrote about this in our Cat's Paws yearbook, which you can buy in stores now or you can order it from, from the Cat's Paws website. I wrote that that's one of the most balanced position groups that they have on the team in terms of class breakdown. You have your two senior starters and Corker and Ty Asian. You have a sixth-year senior in Devontae Robinson who, prior to him getting hurt in that 2019 year, he was supposed to be the face of that defensive back group. So I don't know that he was totally healthy last year, and it was weird um, with COVID trying to get back. I I wouldn't be surprised if he is the kind of guy that people are like, oh, shoot, I kind of forgot that he was still here. And then he ends up having a big year, especially yeah. if they're going to do the thing with Vito Tisdale, where they move him down closer to the line of scrimmage when they play small in some of those packages. I think you'll see Robinson get a lot of run. Breakout player, I'm going to say one of those freshman corners. Uh, well, I, they might be listed as sophomores, but they came in the same class. Carrington Valentine or Andrew Phillips. Uh, only really one of those player. guys will start, I think, because you're going to have Cedric Dort on the other side. And then, of course, Quandre Mosley will also factor in for depth. But I think Valentine has really good potential. He's someone that you think about if you if you follow recruiting closely, and I do, and I, I do value the star ranking system. I know some don't. He was the lowest ranked guy, or it was either him or Derek Jackson. They both played a lot as true freshmen, the two lowest ranked guys in what was a really strong class for UK. And he has had nothing but good things said about him. Um, maybe a year too early on the breakout for one of those guys, but I think there's a pretty good chance that mm-hmm. – you feel really good uh, at corner going into 2022 you, with those guys. You, you say maybe a little too early, and I'm sitting here. Nah, I, I, I kind of disagree about the little too early because I I think Carrington Valentine's a future star too. That dude's stud. Yeah. Uh, you, you've seen him make plays the little bit that we got to see of him. But Started no, two games there at the end of the year. Yeah, and, about, so. and obviously, too, when we're talking secondary success, a lot of it, too, I think depends on how good your pass rush is. And the Josh Pascals and is J.J. Weaver healthy and able to make some plays? The Jordan Wrights, I mean, I, I think that overall Kentucky's defense to me is how well each level complements one another. And if you get something from that front, this secondary that has talent is going to be able to kind of unleash and maybe take some risk and make some plays. Yep. And I, that's why I'm high on the defensive side of the ball, where I know some people in the media, national media, they question – and you mentioned this to me in Texas today – that they're looking at the, the NFL departures. They're not seeing the overall just value of what's on this, this team and what Mark Stoops has recruited, the Carrington Valentines, and we, we keep mentioning these names. I think Kentucky is going to be fine in the secondary. I really do. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! 
Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I agree. We had a uh, only other. Do you have any more football? I think the only other well, one I see is. We have we had one from Gavin and D, and it's not really football, but I'm going to throw it into football because it's talking about the database and 24-7 and transfer oh, portal. Okay. Uh, at what point do sites like 24-7 include the transfers from the portal into total recruiting numbers? They already are listed under the commits tab anyway, and that's basketball and football. That's from anything, Derek, but we'll throw it in this episode. At what point does that happen? Who asked this? Gavin. Gavin. Gavin, this is such a timely question. I, I thank you so much for asking this question. And I chose yesterday to stay away from the rivalry. I didn't want to have my Twitter box, Twitter mentions full of either UK or Louisville fans, to be honest with you. I'm going to preface it, and I'm going to get to your question, which I think is a good one. I was doing some digging yesterday because our rosters on 24-7 have mostly been updated. The freshmen have not been added to the – star rankings yet but i can add that on my own it's very easy to do and sean i don't think i've even told you this but here's a revelation for you vanderbilt has more four uh, four star players this year on its roster than louisville Mm. if you can believe that so i didn't want to get into it because and this is part of the reason why so i elaborate on gavin's point i do think with how prevalent transfers are going to be that 24 7 and i have no role in this um i might be able to offer suggestions as to what i think a guy should be ranked but i do think you have to change because the total team composite it has what guys are ranked as high schoolers. So if you go look at UK's roster this year, when these rankings come out, probably at the end of next month, Joey Gatewood would be the highest rated player on Kentucky's team. If you were to change his transfer rating when he left Auburn, he would not be in that spot. So in Louisville's defense, somewhat, some of their best players and most important guys this year were transfers who came from small schools and were basically rated nothing as a recruit, but you have some guys like Kendrick Duncan from Georgia Southern, who a lot of NFL guys think will be a draft pick this year. But in terms of how it looks on their team composite, he'll have played basically no role. So the way I see it going, and this is for basketball too, I think 24-7 should at least start with power five transfers and try to thoroughly evaluate those guys and give them a true rating. And you should replace that rating on the the total team composite. So if a guy like, uh, Justin Rogers, who signed with Kentucky out of high school, I wouldn't change his rating at all. Uh, but if a guy transfers in from another school like Wondell Robinson, I would still rate him as a high four-star player because he's proven to be a, a good college player, if that makes sense. If that answers your question, I do think that's the way they should go in the future because if they choose to keep it the way it is now, I, I could see that being a little outdated and not quite giving you the best feel for how a team is because I thought it was almost revolutionary, honestly when they had this come out because a lot of programs, obviously when they started doing these rankings in like 2015 ish, you know, basically your whole team was built on how you recruited. There weren't as many transfers back then, but now with this changing landscape, I think that's a great question. And that's just my opinion on how uh, we should look at that moving forward in order to stay uh, up to date. Good stuff, Derek. Any, any more that Vanderbilt has more four stars this year out of high school than mobile. No, I I cannot. And it's just five to four. So, but Louisville, four, four guys, UK has 22 for reference. And I'm planning to dig into that more when these rankings actually come out. But uh, UK has moved solidly ahead of a lot of programs in the East 
in terms of uh, star rankings. Do you see anything else with football? I know we have a volleyball question or two. Is there anything else that's football? Well, we got a baseball one from somebody, but also we did get the question from Chris Easterling asking, um, this is kind of a long one. It has to do with pods with expansion. I'll just go ahead and read it, what he said. He said, thoughts on the SEC going to 14 pods if it went to 16 teams? Thinking something like UK, UT, Missouri, Vandy, and then a new pod, it would be Auburn, Georgia, Florida, South Carolina, and then a different pod would be Alabama, LSU, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and then the final pod would be Arkansas, Oklahoma, A&M, and Texas with a nine-game schedule with annual games against the other three teams in your pod plus two teams from the other three pods. You'd play home and away with uh, each of the other 12 teams outside your pod over a four-year span. Then the best two records of playing the SEC title game. Your thoughts? Ooh. I, I like the – I think that's probably the way they'll have to look at doing it. Uh, I like the idea – because it does feel more like a true conference then. If you're playing all those teams within a four-year span, uh, I mean, if you are if you sign to play at the school, you know you're guaranteed to play all those schools. Like, I like that idea. Um and I do think that's the way you're going to have to do it with just the two best records overall. We'll if you're Kentucky, you love that pod. If that's the pod, it ends up being you absolutely love that pod. If it's Kentucky, Tennessee, Missouri, and okay, Vandy, yeah, yeah sure. you you take that every single time. Can you imagine, though, if that final pod at the bottom, I mean, you get to keep the Red River rivalry and everything. You want that to be an annual event. Oklahoma, Texas A&M, Texas and Arkansas. Yeah, A&M won't be very happy. No, but I think you do have to keep Oklahoma and Texas in the you same to. one to you, keep that rivalry. Yep. And, and I almost think that you, you want to keep Alabama and Auburn. Well, yeah, and he, yeah, he, he did add that too. I should mention that. Uh, he swapped Auburn uh, for one of the Mississippi schools to keep the Iron Bowl, and thus that would have uh, – if you swapped Auburn and LSU out of that list, you would okay. still have the, the, egg, or the yeah, egg Bowl and then, of course, the Iron Bowl as well for the Alabama and Mississippi schools. Nope. So I like that idea, Chris. Uh, I think it's a smart way to look at it, and I would be surprised if when this is official – they don't move to a pod system. I think that's probably the way it's going to go. I mean, when we've all moved to a pod system anyhow, right, with podcast, <laughs> Here we are on the pod talking about pods. Uh, any chance that they take the winner of each pod and play a four-team format to decide the SEC? No, probably not because that would uh, add games. Pretty cool, though. It would be pretty cool because if that's Kentucky's pod, you, you kind of like Kentucky's chances of getting to uh, the, the four game. But, no, really good question. Chris, uh, I don't think there's anything else for just well, football, right? Not for football. No, but let's we'll get into, into these this, minor sports. Let's move mm-hmm. into this volleyball question here. Uh comes from Nick. Will the volleyball team be the preseason number one and favorite to repeat? I'm going to say no, Derek, just given that they lost a, a generational player in Madison Lilly that you've seen just completely still to this day winning awards and recognition. You lose Gabby Curry. You lose Avery Skinner. Now, there's a lot of talent coming back, but I, I don't think they'll be the preseason favorite to win the national championship. I think they'll be a preseason favorite in the SEC again, and then I do think that they will find themselves probably ranked in the top four, top five, with a chance to do it again, but I don't think that they'll be the favorite. One of those Big Ten schools will probably be the favorite. Thought about DMing that question to Craig Skinner and letting him answer for us. <laughs> I didn't do it, but I thought I was like, you know what? I don't know enough about the volleyball team. Well, I know a little bit about UK's volleyball team. <clears throat> Excuse me. I don't know enough about the landscape, though. Who's going to be the best team? Who is not? Um, but you talk about 
um, Maddie Skinner, right? Yeah. I get the Avery transfer to Baylor, correct? So it's Maddie. Yeah. Yeah, Avery. I think she has SEC Player of the Year potential next year. To she me, does. she was one of the most impressive players. You got Allie Stumler coming Stumler back as there. well. I don't think there's any doubt they'll, they'll be the preseason favorite in the SEC. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going to say they'll be preseason top five, but I don't know where they'll be in that top five. Also, volleyball coaching staff been tweeting a lot here recently. They must be landing some absolute stud commitments because they they're fired up. Uh, volleyball and Twitter is very excited. <laughs> replacing, a, replacing a setter that was an All-American and all-generational talent, too, is the reason why I don't think that they will be the preseason favorite to win the national championship. But – what what Craig Skinner and that staff is doing right now and the talent it still has within its program, don't underestimate him getting them back to a Final Four and having a chance to do it again very, very soon. I just don't think that just winning this one is going to be enough to generate the preseason favorite, considering that they lost a lot. I mean, I mean they lost Gabby Curry, who was just as instrumental defensively in doing things that she did. Uh, but, no, that's a very good program that's in a very good spot. And then let's go ahead and transition over to the baseball question, Derek. Yeah, this question comes from Jay, uh, Chase. He also has a, um, a basketball question that we'll get to in the next podcast. He asks uh, thoughts on the state of Kentucky baseball. And uh, I just reported today that UK landed a transfer from a young man named Adam Fogel. I'll say he's a young man. He's a, he's a very veteran college baseball player. This will actually be his sixth year of college baseball. But Fogel comes from uh, Hawaii where he was an all big west performer he's actually a freshman all-american back in 2017 uh he is going to use his extra covid year he was hurt in 2019 and then of course the season was short in 2020 so he's really only played three full seasons uh but i think this is a really good pickup he's a six foot five outfielder who played center field probably will play right field at kentucky but a really good defender and he's got some power he had eight home runs back in 2018 i was told hawaii plays on a massive field and uh those eight home runs, they don't sound like crazy impressive, but it was the most any Hawaii player had hit since 2010. So that goes to show you, you know, not a big home run park uh, out in Hawaii. So I like this pickup. I re- they've added a lot of experience from the portal, both on the pitching mound, which they already had a lot of experience coming back on the mound. But, you know, we talk about the state of Kentucky baseball now from the last time we did a podcast, they have had – Mason Hazelwood return, who will still be rehabbing, so I don't know when he'll quite be available. I don't think he'll be there for the start of the season. Uh, but Sean Harney came back. He was started six games in the league, also had six saves. Uh, Daniel Harper's back, and then some of the transfers they've added, I think, could help them immediately as well. But in the field, you know, you, you got a whole new outfield uh, with Hunter Jump from Arizona State, who I think might be their best transfer just because he's seen really good pitching in the Pac-12. John Thrasher was the America East Player of the Year. He'll probably play center field. And then he kind of has the same thing as Adam Fogel. You got to wonder how these guys will translate to SEC play because they were very good at their smaller conferences. How does that translate? They're they're older guys. uh, You know, they're looking, but this is probably the stat to remember when you're talking about experience. I think there's a pretty good chance they add at least one more guy from the portal uh, for the infield, and that might come out uh, in the next week or so if they actually get this kid, you could have up to 2,400 at-bats yeah. added to next year's team. Plus, with Ryan Ritter, Chase Step, some of those guys coming back from next year. So it's going to be an experienced team overall, but not, not quite as heavy on the SEC experience. So I still think you're going to look at this as a team that has to lean on its pitching next year. But I've kind of moved into the, to the thought that I think they might have, you know, this was a 29-23 and 23 team this year. 
uh, I think that could be a baseline for next year's team because I think the pitching will be better, but it's going to come down to that offense. So to me, and I'll talk more about this as it gets closer to baseball season, but I think it's going to come down to development for UK baseball next year in terms of how good they can be. But I think they've really been aggressive in the portal. I mean, they're going to end up with close to eight guys, I think, added from the portal, and all those guys could play pretty big roles next year. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. And we're going to wrap this mailbag up with Kyle's question. And Kyle has a, a fun question here that I'm just now seeing within the last 20 minutes, and I've been trying to think about it. And I know you you saw it too, right, as we started recording. Non-UK question. What is your Mount Rushmore of sports movies? His is Moneyball, A League of Their Own, Creed, and Friday Night Lights. Oh, I'm going to have to think on this one. So I'm go- not a huge sports movies guy, to be honest with you. I'll give you Hoosiers because I'm a huge – every time Hoosiers is on, I watch Hoosiers. So I'll, I'll go with that one on my list. And then I'll give you another one too. I'm a big Glory Road fan. Love the movie Glory Road. So those two are on there for me. When I was a kid, um, growing up at my mother's house, I did not have a cable in my room, but I had a VCR and I would watch Sandlot on a loop over and over. I used to be able to memorize that movie when I was a kid until I'd fall asleep. I'm really sad to say I tried to watch Sandlot again not too long ago and I didn't think it really aged that well. In term, well, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an adult now. So as a, as a kid, I would have said that was my absolute favorite sports movie. I, I absolutely love that movie. And I still like the nostalgia that comes with it. So if I'm only picking four, I would, I would probably still have it there. Moneyball is a good choice. Um, this is where I'm coming up. See, that's me. I'm trying sure. to think, too. Um, I know it's a Disney movie, but, like, remember the Titans is a good movie. That's like it a, is a good Radio movie. Radio is, like, a good movie. A good I was a movie. big Mighty Ducks guy, too. So I, I never love, watched that. I loved the Mighty Ducks when I was a kid. But I'll go We Are Marshall. I, like I don't we play are hockey Marshall. in Kentucky. Sean, so I don't I don't care about the Mighty Ducks movie. <laughs> I, like, I like We Are Marshall. And then just from a standpoint from my childhood, I I will throw I will throw the Sandlot in there just because I've watched it so many times that I mean obviously I like it. Sorry, Kyle. I just, <laughs> when I watch movies, I prefer I'm a big I like dramas, things like that when I'm watching movies. Um so I don't really watch a ton of sports movies. Dude, can Talladega Nights count? It's such a dumb movie, but also makes me laugh. I'll jack up on so, Mountain Dew. And my wife loves that movie. So I'm going to give a <laughs> shout out to my wife. She loves Talladega Nights. So we watched it actually not that long ago. And just the product placement in that movie, it's just almost embarrassing. How much of an advertisement the first 30 <laughs> yeah. minutes of that movie is. But uh, some parts, though, that I think are really funny. And uh, I enjoy that movie. So... We we understand the product placements though, and how that works. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we that that movie's a little bit more blatant though than a lot of them. I mean, all the references. It is. If somebody wants me to start posting the video of our Zoom conversations, wearing and like, and if it's Mountain Dew as our sponsor, I'll put on like the, the hats with two Mountain Dew cans, and I'll record the entire episode if I have to. Oh, if they're gonna pay us enough, I'll do whatever they want. <laughs> No, thank, thank you all so much, though, for submitting questions. Uh, I hope you like this format that we're following with splitting the mailbag because it, it shortens it, it condenses, condenses it, and you can kind of listen to what you want to listen to. Hopefully, 
you listen to both. We, we hope that you listen to both mailbags. We hope you enjoy both of those. As always, it's powered by Blue Wire Pods, but the mailbag is always powered by Buffalo Wings and Rings in London, Kentucky. Uh, please make it out there. If you're traveling up I-75 this fall to get to a Kentucky football game, stop at Wings and Rings in London, Kentucky for a lunch or a post-game meal on your way back home. Or if you're just down this way for some reason, stop right there located conveniently off I-75. Or if you're making it down this fall to watch Reed Shepard play basketball in North Laurel High School, perfect opportunity to make it out to Buffalo Wings and Rings. But this has been another episode of Kentucky Daily. He's Derek Terry. I'm Sean Smith. Stick around because you'll have a basketball mailbag coming soon.